0: What's up, everybody? Hello. Welcome to the Hustling Sideways podcast. I'm Alan Hallis. I'm a
1: music writer. I'm Jim Love, and I'm a keynote and motivational speaker. And this is episode number 63. 63. We had to figure that out before we got on here because we've been in recording mode. Yeah, we've been taping a bunch and <laughs> uh, in a very compressed amount of time. Yes, which uh, we're just basically abandoning our families for like a week or two at a time, going into a dark place. I and sent a note. Filming.
0: Yeah, I sent a note the other day and then, you know, just See to you. let them know we were all right. What I'm what
1: You know, funny, funny note story. I have to tell you this. So the band three doors down. I'm sure you've heard it through I, I am well aware this, yeah this song superman right yes, like it was the like, only one that yeah yeah when i was in fifth grade i used to write notes on the table the like kitchen table where i was going and it was like one to mike's house be back you know later And sure. one of the notes I, t- I put i took a walk around the world to ease my troubled mind and oh i put that God. on the table when i was 10 and my parents were like where the hell are you they're like this kid is this kid's emo uh-huh it was bad i'll never forget doing that and i know they listen to this show and my mom's gonna be like "Yeah, that was we we, we had a moment but also
0: you know. what a what a moment in time where you were like i just wrote a note. And told people where I was. That's what it, that's things. And then we
1: left. Things haven't changed much at all since then. I think it's all nothing's evolved. Nothing's we gotta advanced. we have a thing. We can just tell, yeah, we people. Just tell them. um Yes, but it is episode sixty three. We're pumped. It is miserable in Milwaukee right now. Yeah. And we were gonna do is. this podcast outside and we couldn't. So. Yeah, there was that plan. <laughs> um that that definitely didn't work out.
0: No, it didn't but work. you know what? The great thing about this is, mm-hmm. I believe this is new territory for us. We've done
1: one international show yes. before. Oh, I was going to say, you, Maroon, I was going to say we are now a global podcast and I forgot about the other international show. So we are... As a reminder, we are a global podcast. That's yeah. what I meant to say. We have never been
0: more global, though, because we are not even on this continent today. No, we're not,
1: <laughs> and it's also Wednesday. Kind of, uh, so as yes. we record this for okay. the first we're recording it for, which was wildly confusing to intro of this because it's actually Monday. Let's move on. Let's the move logistics
0: on. <laughs> of this time of setting this timing up was not great. No, they weren't. <laughs> today we have a guest. We have Brace Bamkin, who is a uh, the head executive director over at BNI in Melbourne, mm-hmm. Australia. And then um, he is also a speaker, he's a writer, he's got a book out, he's a coach, Uh serial
1: I meant to say entrepreneur, I'm losing it. You he's can, podcasting continue. too. He's That's in a true. lot of podcasts.
0: So anyway, uh, it is our evening and it is his morning <laughs> and right, that was man. very difficult for me to yeah, figure out right. in my <laughs> scheduling, but Braith, good morning over there Good morning from the evening uh, over here.
2: How guys, are you doing? I, I am... <laughs> I'm laughing so much, I mean, I've got to say, I have been so looking forward to coming on your show. I've done a lot of podcasts lately, but I have never, ever had such cool dudes invite me on I feel like I'm in your lounge room and yeah it is morning for me and I'm on the other side of the world it is I'm in Cairns or Palm Cove and it's hot and it's sunny and like I just it's isn't this wild I love it
1: and a thing that Alan and I have never been accused of is being cool so we are making history
2: (laughs) today
1: and I am vibing with that I'll take that it is but you
2: can take that as a soundbite that's a
1: soundbite. Yeah. <laughs> if, if that pop up, we need, we need this, the captions on that, too, yeah. just in ensure <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um
0: So it is rainy and miserable here, but you said it's warm and sunny
2: over in Melbourne. Thank God. Well, for I'm the not in Melbourne. Yeah. Oh, you're not in Melbourne? I have, I'm really lucky. I have two places. I have a place in Melbourne, but I also have a place in far North Queensland in a place called Palm Cove, which is near Cairns, which is the Great okay. Barrier Reef. So like awesome. when it's cold, because it's cold in Melbourne, I'm like, I'm out of here. And I'm up in Palm Cove <laughs> enjoying the sun.
0: Okay. So Great Barrier Reef. So yes, uh, Northern Queensland, is that what you said? That's right. Yeah, right. Okay. There, well. My my knowledge of Australian geography is limited exclusively to surf videos. <laughs> and um the uh aussie rules football uh, oh, i know so i know you know, like we get on thursday mornings here on mm-hmm. fox sports occasionally you'll get the
1: Aussie rules that's footy, right.
0: but it'll right. be on at like four in the morning. Our team, our time, <laughs> all right.
1: So, in my knowledge of Australia, is limited to the movie Kangaroo Jack from like 2004. So, I am just <laughs> all things Australia related. <laughs> all I know is that I'm
0: supposed to cheer for the Collingwood Magpies.
2: No, no, no,
0: Sydney Swans fan. Oh,
2: you go sw- Sydney Swans. Calling okay. Sydney Swans is the way to go. Oh, we there can was-
0: both agree we hate Port Adelaide,
1: right? We can that- agree on that. <laughs> okay, I, I, those are like the three teams Dang. I knew. Alan is <laughs> thrilled yes, This yeah. is the first time we've Ellen's done homework before. Yes. Out. Oh, and-
0: <laughs> the Australian Open. I know the Australian oh, yeah, Open. That's true. Yeah. The Sydney Opera House. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is my sense of um, Australia. Just...
1: <laughs> That's good
2: enough for me. Yeah. But we're not well, at right uh... top. I'm right up the top here. You can't okay. go surfing because the crocs will get you. But, you know, it's, uh, okay. Okay. it's a nice place. That's great. Well,
0: that is good to know. I'm going to learn so much. We are not a geography podcast. No.
2: Nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Math or geography good reason. are
0: two probably worse things mm-hmm. for
1: me at least. <laughs>
0: Um, so we are a side hustling business podcast so tell us a little about your history and and yeah. what brought you up to this point uh, it and now in having two places in beautiful north queensland <laughs> Well I say it every
2: time know, I no, get no. it right that's you probably can't tell from from you know if you're listening to this you can't tell at all. But if you're watching this, yeah, you wouldn't know. You would not. I've been around for a long time, and I started in uh, a real grown up job in the '80s. And my first boss told me in the '80s, so that's how old I am, uh, that if you want to be successful in this business, you've got to learn how to network. And I'm like. Oh, what is, that wasn't even a word back then. Like, what is? Like, we didn't have computers back then. Like, faxes were new. It was like, that's a fax. And we used to stand there at the fax machine and watch it come out. It was so cool. Anyway, um, I've been networking since the 80s. And, you know, through one, I did some time in corporate. You know, it sounds like a sentence, which it was to me. And uh, I got out. And uh, I've been in small business for a long time. And I, I joined Ben I as a member um, 15 years ago. Loved it, made a lot of money as a member uh, out of BNI, became a director ultimately, and then decided to buy the franchise in Melbourne. It's been a wild ride. So over the last 15 years, I've just helped thousands of people to uh, really grow their businesses. And, you know, I think that if you've got a business that can uh, help your ego be met in a really productive way you build a good business right so you know I get to help people all day every day and then out of that I I got asked to do speaking gigs all the time and you know I was really scared I can't speak can't speak but you know that's become like a thing all of its own and uh you know I have online programs as well because there's only one of me and I can share stuff really well so yeah so I I do a lot of stuff but yeah that's me in a nutshell
1: what was the networking like at that time? When like you're not adding anyone on LinkedIn, you're not like like are, are you just exchanging like honestly? Are you exchanging just like office numbers? Is that what you're doing? And then you, you <laughs> well, yeah the car,
2: right? <laughs> yeah this is that's that's called a business card. <laughs> 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 and so that was
1: the that was the vibe for the most part I imagine well <laughs> you know
2: back in the 80s well there was a lot of parties in the 80s because it was good times in the 80s you know a lot of events and a lot of a lot of drinking in Australia was going through a bicentenary in 1988 so that was, was a good time to be in Australia mm-hmm. but you know people used to exchange business cards and as I said faxes were a thing and there was no mobile phones back then and so you would like you would meet up like that's what you did you'd say let's meet up for lunch and like this will crack you up you used to send people a letter inviting them to have lunch with you, <laughs> you know, a letter that. like snail mail like people used to send that and you know you arrange it for four weeks out and it, but the mail went fast in those days it's not like it is today it was like you get it in two days
0: <laughs> right um I do want to say for those that don't know, um could you tell us a little bit about what BNI is and what it does just so yeah, that. Just catch it, playing catch up for anybody that doesn't know.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Look, so B and I has been around since uh, 1986. It's the world's oldest and largest professional networking organization. So people join as members, and they go along to a weekly meeting, and through that. Uh, meeting. They learn to build trust with each other. And when you trust people, you are willing to open up your network and to refer people. So by going to a weekly meeting, you learn more about the people that you're you're hanging out with in your chapter. And then when you feel comfortable to to open your network, you can refer them to people that you know. And then uh, over time, as that trust builds, uh, you start to get second and third tier referrals. And it's a really cool way of building relationships with people that want to help you. And, you know, I think now more than ever, uh, people want to hang out with people. Like, you know, COVID really made it... Like, what was the first thing you did when, like, in you know, Melbourne, we were locked away for two years. The first thing we all did, I opened the door, we went out and we hung out with people, right? So you hang out with yeah. people. Like, that's what we do. And so, you know, I didn't know when COVID happened whether... You know, B and I would survive, but it just thrived because now people are desperate to be proximate with other human beings. They they love it. That's what we're wired for. So, you know, I think it's really important that uh, an organization like B and I is out there to help people build personal relationships. And you know, now more than ever, we need to hang out with humans.
0: For sure. Um, tell me a little bit how you got started there, because I I would think that you know we've done a bonus episode before on networking. Mm-hmm. And that initial phase of doing it, we were both in college, and both <laughs> being like just nervous kids, like trying to talk yeah. to everyone in the room. Tell us about your your first experiences and how that led to BNI. All
2: right. Well, look, you know, you asked a good question. What was it like back then in the eighties? It was for me. It was spray and pray. Like you, you just meet would meet as many people as you could. You'd throw your business card out, and there was not a lot of strategy to it. Um, I knew that. That you wanted to get people around you that had a similar target market so that you could sort of help each other. I kind of knew that my boss gave me that idea, but it took me a really long time, like 20 odd years to work out that less is more. Mm -hmm. You just cannot duplicate yourself a thousand times over. So you've really got to work out where to invest your time. Mm -hmm. And so once I learned that in, in the 90s, I went to New Zealand for that company I worked for and um, I I rocked up. I was a commercial commercial textiles for architects and designers and I rocked up in New Zealand with a bag full of samples and a Yellow Pages and you're probably too young to know what Yellow Pages is, but, but oh. for your, which, well, <laughs> I just tell people it's paper Google. So it's yeah. paper Google. <laughs> and, it. Yeah, and I, I would look through that for connections, but... What I realized is that there were a lot of other suppliers around that worked with the same target market. So I would get those people together and would have a regular um, lunch meeting. And then what I realized, and, and this was before I even had heard of BNI, was when you help other people and you genuinely try to help make their business more successful, there is this unspoken law of reciprocity that human beings want to help you back. And yeah. if you've ever done any volunteer work, the more you volunteer, the more you get back. It's like you can't give enough of yourself to get back what you feel you get back. And right. networking is the same. If you help people, you really help people to succeed in your business and expect nothing back because that's the key to it. Because if you have an expectation, they can smell that. If you do it genuinely because you want to help, then you will get it come back in space. But it's a function of time. Like people now have this expectation that everything's gonna be like, that's happened now, happened now, happened now. But this is about farming, right? And it's not about hunting. Like there's a lot of um, bro marketers out there saying, hey, you know, get on um, my thing and I'm gonna grow your your followers by 2 million. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Like you can get 2 million followers. I could could get you 2 million followers, it's not hard. But what you want is connections. and connections with people who are going to do business with you. And that's really the key to quality networking is to build deep and meaningful relationships because you don't need a lot of people in your network to get you really good quality business because when you know who you want to do business with, and you can explain it to the people that you're networking with really, really well. Mm-hmm. It is coming to you. It is coming to you a lot and fast. And that is the key to it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Now I, I know you mentioned yeah this is like the good example of like you know follow this and you'll get two million more followers. Like I feel <laughs> like I see that stuff pop up all the time. And I have to imagine with you being in an industry for a long time, like how have you seen that Evolve so much of like the kind of pure play of networking where people are actually wanting to help versus sort of like a, a quote unquote scam or something that's just like different like is that like how how have you navigated yeah. that like like yeah, do people yeah. stress what you do and and how do you really validate the, the work that you pour your time into so
2: the first thing i because people ask me all the time hey have you seen an insert you know bro marketer and there's a lot of them mm-hmm. out there and i'm not saying they're bad you know there's some there's something for everyone but I always say to people, if it feels like BS to you, it probably is, and mm-hmm. you can you can feel it. And really good marketing organisations attract people uh, who are going to follow their message. And if you're doing the dance of the desperate and you'll you'll chuck money at anyone that says I'll solve your problem without you doing any uh, due diligence, they're talking to you. They know how to trigger you. They know exactly what to say to trigger you. They know exactly what you want. To, they know exactly the problems you're facing and they'll talk to those problems and they will make you feel like they're the only person that can solve what's going on for you. But I would say to anybody that the best way to work out whether you want to work with someone is whether you feel an affinity for their product. And at the moment I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff around um, values in business and vision and I, you know, one of the hottest trends in marketing at the moment is personalization. Yeah. And if you aren't really clear about your vision and your business, and you don't know what your values are, you're not going to bring your potential clients on for that journey. Mm -hmm. So if your marketing doesn't speak to that, and you're not in alignment with your value and your vision, Mm -hmm. these days, people can click and go away really, really quickly. So you've got to be very clear about what you stand for. And your entire brand proposition has got to align with that. So, you know, back in the day, you used to have like brand guidelines. Now, people talk about brand voice. So you've got to know what's your tonality. Like I I have a brand voice that my team work to. So they know how I speak. They know the words that I use. um, They they know the imagery that I like. I've got, you know, colors, logos and all of that. But there's a whole tonality to everything that I do. And, you know, if anyone's using AI, if you don't know your brand voice and you just plug stuff into AI, you're going to get a random response, right? But if you tell it what tone, what your brand voice is, who your target market is, who your audience is, it's going to give you something a lot more relevant. So, you know, I love AI; I use it all the time. But I'm very clear with it what I, who I'm talking to, and how I want to talk to them. Yeah, that was a very long-winded answer to your question. Which was I amazing. love it.
1: I love it.
0: it but it's fascinating though, because I this is actually something that I've thought about with, um, you know, really the way that I communicate with people. So, as we've kind of said too about, like, oh, you can smell when something just mm-hmm. doesn't yeah. seem. Why I'm not on LinkedIn messaging at all anymore, really, Mm -hmm. because I know that like the whole platform is corrupted with (laughs) being like, Hey, let me, you know, let me see how I can help your business. I can see how, whatever, and you you know what it is, you know what I mean? Most of the time, it's Mm -hmm. by my thing, by my whatever, XYZ, right? But when you talk about a brand message and having a brand, a personal brand kind of, Mm -hmm. um, really built around it, you know, I know what I'd like to give off to the world Mm -hmm. when I message somebody. Like, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not trying to be that guy. And I'm not trying to hit you with the the marketing speak, quote Mm -hmm. unquote. You know what I mean? I know that that's kind of my thing. And I like to your point, I can tell when somebody when it's not their thing and they're trying to just put words out there into the world. Mm -hmm. So, like, it is really something that I've thought about, even when I just communicate with other businesses about, you know, hey, I'd love to have you advertise on our site. I'd love to have you do whatever or work with you on whatever. Like, I try to cognitively, like avoid the the marketer speak because that's what I want to give off into the world
2: so 100% like you know you've got to be the authentic version of you and Mm -hmm. for your audience you know I I know a lot of people who are new in business they think they've got to be something that they're not I tell you what the best thing you've got going for you in your business is you that Mm -hmm. is your thing and if you aren't your authentic you you are never gonna get the traction that you deserve because you are the only version of you. You are solving a problem because you are you and you've got this side hustle going on and you've got something to share with the world. If you're your authentic you, the people who want that problem solved by you, they're gonna follow you. If you're fake you, People are going to leave you and you, yeah. all, all they'll join you and they won't stay because you want them to be sticky. If they're not yeah. sticky, you got to spend a lot of money getting new people in all the time. But you want people to be sticky, right? Yeah, you want the authentic version
1: of that's yourself. Good. I'm going to go ahead and sort of disagree with it. No, right. no this is... Uh, <laughs> as- <laughs> the fake
2: yeah. version. The fake yeah, gym. <laughs>
0: whole, uh, his whole talk is mm-hmm. about being
1: authentically himself. Right, right. That's what oh, I how I, how I, give, I give a keynote on that. So everything you just said oh, is cool. very very in line and it's true and and um you know people people don't relate to a perfect version of what you think you are they re- they, they relate to, to the authentic version of I you mean, that's it pe- people relate to imperfect because we all are and yeah you know call out mistakes and just just enjoy and use your own flair to do it but that that's that's what I, that's what i speak about is is doing oh, that. And, that's you know beautiful. particularly the students but but really anyone of course who will listen <laughs> give me a microphone and which is usually a bad idea but you know here we are but, <laughs> It's it's so true. And and I, I think you know it's it's a lost art sometimes in business and particularly like in a corporate world. It's difficult to keep that part of yourself because you feel like I think a lot of times, especially people, you know, people who are maybe in higher up levels, like feel like they're supposed to be something else. Like right. they're supposed to be more professional. It's like, no, you're not. Like you're supposed to just do your thing and that's yeah. why you're in this role. You're you're in this role because you got you got picked to do it. So it's important and it's it, a lot of people forget that. So yeah, it,
2: yeah. really good. Mindset. I reckon a lot of your audience are probably in jobs that they don't, they don't like. And I've worked out over the years that the majority of people don't like their jobs, not because the stuff they're doing is not um, interesting, it's because they don't align their values and what's important to them, to the organization. Because if you are all in alignment, you are sailing through that slipstream and everything is easy. Even if the tasks can be crappy, you can get past crappy tasks if you have a shared vision that you're all heading in the right direction. So I I reckon a lot of your audience are like, they have cognitive dissonance between what's going on in the organization and who they are as a person. And they're going, hey, I've got something else I want to share with the world and with my side hustle. And that's when they've got to be their authentic self. So the takeaway you've got to be is if you don't want to feel like that in your side hustle, you've got to be you. And I love the fact that you talk about that, Jim. Because totally. you know, I, That's really a good important. point.
1: And I would add one more spot to that. Like for maybe for like employers, you know, who have folks that feel sort of like, a dissonance of the people they're working with. Mm-hmm. What I've found is that my employer supports my side hustle, like right. very much so, and it makes me feel yeah. more empowered to then do the work. And I make the two things align really well, and I love what I do in both worlds. But that's something I'm very open about about what I do. Like I was, you know, sending people a video of this past weekend. They're like, "That's awesome!" And everyone wants to know about that part of my life. And then it makes me like, "Well, this is great." They appreciate it. My old employer was not like that. it, yeah. was, it was. It was not a welcome thing to to do that. And I kind of kept on the wraps and it felt like I was hiding a big part of what I do and kind of my my being and and so i i'm actually i just put a couple of quotes under an article for for forbes i got reached out to to talk about side hustles oh, and i put nice. that in there and i was like if you can support more of what people want to do outside of this you're going to find they're going to be more engaged in what they do inside of of, of um, your work yeah. as they feel that level of support and, and ability to you know to to do so so I, I
0: didn't know that you got that article that's awesome yeah it was sorry it was on behalf wow. of
1: my of, my, of, of, of <laughs> manpower group but it was it was a cool kind of thing and i was like you know i because it's like why why do people want to do this and it's because like they they have passions outside of nine to five and that's a good thing we should be supporting that because it will make them feel more engaged and empowered in what they're doing did you tell them afterwards of, to subscribe to the podcast? i did i've oh, been okay. Five <laughs> <stop>. <laughs> oh, okay cool yeah well cool, cool. let's let's switch into your world of of speaking of uh the book like tell us a little bit about how you got started in some of these uh, you know being being a serial side hustler and, and what <laughs> like, what this road has been like for you
2: well, like the the book is actually, I, you know, the book is not something I really aim to make a thing. It just happened because years ago I was like mega stressed out as a business owner. I wasn't aligned with my business partner. We were like, you know, not in the same direction. And that was okay, but I wasn't saying what I wanted. So I wasn't being honest with myself. And so I was feeling really I'm I'm not allowed to swear on this PO. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) um, And so it was affecting me. And eventually years of that, uh, a couple of years of that, breaks you down, right, physically. And I ended up, I was on a flight, I was actually flying from... Miami to Bogota in Colombia overnight and I got a Bell's palsy happen overnight which is a, a facial paralysis mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny I knew something weird was happening because I was trying to eat my food and the food was falling out of my mouth and going that's not normal <laughs> <laughs> and so I get to Bogota at, um, first thing in like 5am in the morning and like you know my face is all like so it looked like a Salvador Dali painting and so I went straight to the hospital which was like a really amazing experience. Sunday morning in Bogota at the main hospital is like that. That is crazy stuff. Like they've got guards with machine guns. And it's not just to keep the crazy people out, it's to keep you in until you've paid your bill because they're not letting you out that door until you've paid your bill. It's like it's wild. But the other part was, you know, of course everything's in Spanish and you know, Australians don't have a good grasp of Spanish. But thank goodness for Dr. Google, my partner and I were working out what was happening and you know, I- we met managed to get get stuff happening but what when i came back from that part of my rehab was uh to do laughter yoga i have you ever come across laughter yoga before no No. It's a thing, guys. You've got to get into it. It's the yeah. coolest thing ever. It yeah, is the coolest. Bad. It's like, it's laughing for the sake of laughing. And it's it's the coolest thing. Anyway, so I started my journey on that. I ended up loving it so much. I became a laughter yoga instructor. There is a five-day course to teach you how to laugh. Let me tell mm-hmm. you that this is serious business. So I, I, I loved it After so much. After serious
0: business. It is. It's
2: serious business, right? <laughs> so I did that. And then that's the gateway to breath work. I, I did some breath work practitioner training and I didn't do it for anyone else I only did that for me because I had my own stuff going on in my business but it was really helping me in my life and then people were saying to me all the time oh like what's this laughter thing because I was posting on the socials and you know what's this breath work and you look really happy and you know I'd sorted out my stuff with my business partner and life was good and people would see that I'd changed and they're like, what, what's going on? Like, you know, I'm going, oh, well, I'm doing this breathwork stuff and laughter yoga and mindfulness. And they're like, what's this? And because I look like this and I don't look like I've just walked off some commune, people kind of like take it seriously. Like, you know, not that I'm saying people who walked off a commune aren't serious, but like business people relate to me, right? Because right. I'm kind of this middle-aged white dude, which you know, not not often these days where we, <laughs> we take get taken seriously. But and I started helping people because that's my nature and it just started to become a job and I'm like oh this was not a job I wanted to do and so I said look I'm not doing that anymore and I wrote a book so I wrote a book about how business people can use breathing and the skills of breath work to get present in their business and their life so if you're if you're in your and if you're in a corporate business and you're like not calm and you're not focused you know and you you want to get out there's a really good tool you can use um so if you jump on my website you'll get the links to it I think it's available in America I'm pretty sure you can get it on Amazon or Kindle Um, and you know I wrote it because that that way people could uh not ask me all the time to come and teach them how to do it which I was doing (laughs) and it was a job so that's how the book happened and you know, I, I love to share that stuff because it's changed my life. Like I went from manic and crazy to like this happy, really calm guy that um, that that really is in the in the zone. But I, I tell you another tool that I think you and your audience will love. What's going on? Um, have you ever heard of Jonathan Field and Sparkotype?
1: Um, uh, that sounds vaguely familiar to me. But,
0: I, uh, I will admit I have not. No. I, I oh, heard of, I've heard it maybe once.
2: Yeah, we're going to rock your world. I'm going to yes, rock you. your world. This is the most amazing tool I have ever had. You know how you see personality type stuff? So Jonathan Field, who wrote a book, How to Live a Good Life. That's how I first came across him. And he's, and he's got a podcast. He's, he lives in Utah. And he's got to put good the good life project podcast really beautiful man um, and you have this he has this free test that you can do called sparkertype and it's really well researched he's an amazing human being uh, he put a lot of effort into this tool and what it does is it gives you uh, instead of saying you should when you grow up you should be a fireman or a police officer or whatever it says these are the things that spark you and these are the things that drain you and so there's 10 sparker types. So you'll end up with two. One's your primary and one's your secondary sparkotype. So your secondary sparkotype is the stuff that you do in your life that sort of helps you with your primary. And then there's the anti-sparkotype. That's the stuff that drains you. And when I got this as a concept, uh, it changed my world. And so my primary sparkotype is performer. So like performer and I love speaking on stage not everyone likes it, but I love speaking on stage because my ego gets filled by that. And I know I'm doing good to the world. Like that's a good thing. Right. Yep, but my yeah. secondary sparker type is sage, which is teaching people. So I love sharing knowledge because I think that one of the things I, I, I'm privileged to, to have been put on this world to do is learn a lot of stuff. And I think it's my obligation and my joy to share that knowledge with people. Mm-hmm. And my anti sparker type, which probably won't come as a surprise to anyone who knows me well, is detail. So I am not an organised detail person. Like if you want detail done, you are bypassing me. But like <laughs> when you know when you know that, right? Then it's like, oh, okay, I can live my life knowing this is what lights me up. And so if you're looking for a side hustle, make sure your side hustle aligns with your sparker type, because mm-hmm. if you want to be a maker or if you if you're a performer. Or maybe your sparker type is one of the sparker types is to organize information. Uh, Another sparker type is to uh, help people uh, like nurses and doctors in in that regard. So it's the coolest tool. It's completely free to use. You can pay for, I think it's 20 bucks US to get the extended version, but like just do the free one and then it'll make you really aware of what lights your life up and when I did this. I've actually ended up doing the type program because I loved it so much. And I just use it for me and my team. I don't coach right. on it. Um, but it, it really helps me to understand my team and what lights them up. So I know what to give them in my business. That. And when I hire people, I hire them for the task at hand. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's the best tool I've ever used. So that, No plug for, from Jonathan there, but I'm just, as a user, I've got to tell you, it's, it's the best thing I've ever done.
1: Awesome. I want to check it out. I yeah. want to see what mine is. I would love to do this. I have a feeling you and I have similar, uh,
2: ones.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm being speakers. but I, I think it's so valuable to, um, as a leader, which I know you, you obviously have a team to have your team do that and then put them in situations where, you know, they're going to shine. And I think, yeah. That takes the next level of of a manager and in a leader because I you know it's oftentimes you're just like well here's a task I take it like what oh no wait what if you actually knew what this person really enjoys doing right and this task yeah. actually matches up, matches up with that like how cool of an intimate way to be like I want to see you do your thing and then they're gonna do it well like of well yeah and when well.
0: and whenever anybody does something with some passion and some intent to it yeah, you to. know if you know what makes them tick and mm-hmm. what makes them run like that they're going to give you a better product because they're going to put their actual effort into that. Be excited, yeah. Yeah, because they know that that's something that they, they dig doing, which is- I love I need I'll to tell
2: you, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I'll tell you the other really cool thing is even if you're doing a job that doesn't light you up, and I'll give you a really great example. If you're a barista and you know your primary spark type is to be the um, the performer, then you know that the best part of your job is engaging with the customers. But if you're- joy is to be the organizer, then you train people uh, in the organization or you arrange the system. So whatever your job is, you can find something about what lifts you up to really focus on that part. But the reality is sometimes you're doing a job that you just don't find lights you up. So you've got to find something outside of your business that lights you up. So for your your audience, that side hustle, you've got to make sure it aligns with your values and, and your, and your type or whatever lights you up. If, if you don't find that, you're just going to find another job to do outside of your job and it won't be fun. Sure.
0: Um, I want to ask you a little bit about speaking because I, I've heard Jim's story about speaking as well, his, his background. Was it something that really came natural to you? Was those first, you know, <laughs> <few times>? no? <laughs> Tell me about those oh, first couple times and how
2: you've really grown in that. that. <laughs> well, look. One of the things at BNI that, that happens is you have a weekly presentation, which is only a minute, but like most people, freak out about it. I was so freaked out about it. I used to drive to the meeting, and the meetings are usually seven a.m. in the morning, so it's six thirty. My hands would be sweaty, and I'd be dripping with sweat with fear. Of but 60 seconds, like with 60 seconds, it's nothing that you right. would have to present. I'm like, I, my heart would be going boom, 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 boom. And I have it all written out. And I might be standing up there with my, you know, my notes. I'd be holding it. <laughs> it was so bad. And that took me like three or four months to get over that. And then slowly, because one of the things that I needed to do as a director was speak in front of the room. And what I... What really changed my mindset around speaking was that I know I've got really good information to share with people. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm really passionate about helping other people avoid all the mistakes I've made. And I have made a lot. And I don't want anyone to ever have to make a mistake if they don't have to. And so I love to be able to share knowledge that can help avoid those mistakes in life. And when I realised that what I could do on stage was purposefully impact other people and lift them up and give them maybe just one little nugget that would slightly change their life, when, you can, when, when I realised I could do that and that people were interested in what I had to say oh, and, and I stopped pretending to be something that I'm not, I've done speaker training and I learned all about all the stage craft and all of that But what I've also learned is that I can forget a lot of that stuff because if I'm not my authentic self on stage, it just just doesn't shine through. So when I'm my real self sharing real knowledge to help people, I I, I just want to help. Like, you know, you hear about people there's been a really big tragedy here in Australia with a bus bus accident. A lot of people died. It's awful. It's all over the news at the moment Uh, and I was thinking about the first responders and how horrible it would have been and that and, and I just thought to myself you know we're so lucky to have people but people who help people don't have to be first responders. You can be on stage that shares one piece of information that changes somebody's business or life that will impact their whole family and their whole community. And you have made that change as a, as a presenter or a speaker or a trainer. You know, we all heroes don't have to be in, in, a, in a car or a van with a, a flashing light. You know, you can do stuff because we're all put on this earth to do our little bit of fabulous for somebody else, right? And mm-hmm. my bit of fabulous would not be going into a first responder situation because I don't like all that blood and guts. It wouldn't work for me, but I can right. help people in their business. And when you help people in their business, you help the community, you help families. It's amazing. And when you realize yeah. that as a speaker, it just became a lot easier for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I have to ask a little bit of a culture exchange kind of question here, <laughs> because um, obviously being on a different part of the world as us, uh, we have this kind of idea of, I think Aussies as being you know tough and hardened and stuff like that. <laughs> and really, I mean, you're you have crowds here that mm-hmm. are very receptive to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Are your crowds generally are Australians very you know receptive to like what you're teaching and, and you know does that is our stereotype right <laughs> or wrong? <laughs> it's basically no, no, long it is. and short of what I'm asking. Are people are people receptive to your message and, and do, what is that moment like when you can tell that they're getting it? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the very first thing I would say is that if you think they're going to be receptive or you think they're not, you're going to be absolutely right. So the first thing is you've got to be, you've got to expect it, your message to land because if you think it's not going to land it won't because you you will you you are the biggest determinant in that from a general perspective Australians are pretty laid back you know we have a good life in australia the weather's pretty good even our coldest places aren't that cold you know we we, we have it pretty good. We've got lots of space, you know, even, even though things will always be better, I think we have a pretty good economy. And I think in general, we treat each other pretty well. I mean, there were obviously exceptions to every everything, but I think in general, it's a great place to live. And I think we're pretty laid back. And I think most people want to see, most Australians want to see other people have a fair go. That's kind of one of our sort of founding your ideas yeah giving everyone a fair go you probably heard that on movies give it give me a fair go mate or whatever it's a bit of a stereotype but it's true you know we want us, we want everyone to have a fair go but I tell you what if you're uh if you're not nailing it they'll cut you down
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think you know I mean in in America yeah we don't have as much of you know everybody should have a fair go so that's that's refreshing to hear that there's a culture that has that um because i think that's the that's the
1: way to go about mm-hmm. it we it just need be, a fair go mate. it should be more mainstream yeah i'm <laughs> exactly. trying but i'll tell you
2: what we also have another thing called the tall poppy syndrome so we'll give you a fair go but if you get too big for your boots then we're chopping you down anyway ah.
0: <laughs> oh okay okay <laughs> but there's, like, a, there's a there's a feeling. status
2: yeah. point that we're willing to get you to go to because we're see. very like australia has a lot less um extremes, like, you know, there's always poverty, and, and I don't want to dis- dismiss that, but, you know, you, you walk around Australian cities, you don't see the extremes that you do in America, like the, uh, the extremes that you see in America, blow my mind, like, the, you see the, the wealthiest and the poorest in, in, in like, metres of each other, and I just cannot comprehend that, it's hard for me to understand, but you don't see it to that extreme in Australia, so we're a lot more squished in the middle, The world, we're kind of like all the same, but we don't like people who really stand out. Like you know, (laughs) real megastars. You know, if you're a megastar, we're gonna shut you down. It's a tall poppy. Yeah, (laughs) we'll we'll let you grow to the height of the rest of the poppies, and then that's it. You're you're cut off.
1: Yeah. Okay. So as a as kind of a final, as we as we start wrapping up here, what what's what's the most gratifying part of what you do? Just you know, just to kind of kind of simplify it of, of the things that you're focused on. And I have a feeling I know the answer, um, but I, I'm I'm just like what, oh. what if you really had to bring it down into one? What's the most gratifying part of what you
2: can, do? I, can I give you a story because this, yeah. this yeah oh yeah totally. So like I would <laughs> I shouldn't say I wear glasses. Uh, and uh, last year I started. This is usually for reading glasses, and I started last year having to wear long distance glasses and my ego refused to have me wear them all the time. And I was <laughs> in a shopping center, which I don't go to very often, but I was in this shopping center and I didn't have them on. And, and I heard this guy this big booming guy scream out hey brace bam can you stay right there and I'm like what, what what and I could see this guy coming at me and he was a bit like you Alan he had a big bushy beard probably bigger and bushy than you and you know he's dressed in tradies and I had no idea who this guy was I couldn't see anyway apart from anything else and he ran up to me he put a big hug around me I'm like he's giving me a really big hug and I'm like oh my god I have no idea who you are I feel a little bit intimidated and I'm a big guy but he was bigger than me like I'm I'm I am i am i am over what you call it four, six six foot one I think is my, my hundred that's about right yeah. yeah 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 so he's bigger than me he's like you know you know 195 centimeters like and I'm like oh my god anyway he's hugging he's going oh I really want to thank you you changed my life you changed my life you changed my life I'm like oh I've got no idea who you are <laughs> anyway so after all that sort of calmed down I took a step back and I'm going oh wow and he said Oh, yeah, recognize me. Honestly, no, I don't. So I didn't have the beard and I didn't have the uh, the, the, the the big bushy hair and, you know, it's Mark. And I'm, I'm going to Mark, Mark, Mark. He said, Mark, from, and he told me where he was from. And I went, oh, my goodness. He said, I joined BNI uh, two years ago and I couldn't afford the membership and I had to borrow the money from my mother-in-law and he was an electrician. And he said, I had lost absolutely everything. My wife was going to leave me. I had two kids. My business was really tanking. We'd been in business for a year and Ben I was great. But when I came to the new members lunch and you sat with me and you told me that what I need to do is be really clear on who I want to do business with. And you talked me through that process and that became really obvious that what I really wanted to do was I wanted to work with educational facilities, council facilities, and to, uh do work with them. And, uh, you know, he got all the certifications that you need to do that. And he really targeted that in his area and it, it, his business exploded. And he said, if you had not have told me to focus on that, I would have been rapid firing everywhere and I wouldn't have made money. So he just became the go-to guy in that area. And knowing that I changed somebody's life because it took me I reckon probably five minutes at a lunch to help him to crystallize in his mind like he he thought it was the the greatest thing to get that focused Mm -hmm. but for me it was just really it was what I do and I you forget you can make massive impact on people with just little tiny bits of information that you know but you don't know that but people don't know what you know right
1: Mm -hmm. right that's wow. Fantastic. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If, and I mean, I look to get a lot out of five minutes. I mean, we've yeah. gotten a lot. I've gotten a lot just out of this conversation. Yeah, exactly. here too. <laughs> so this is absolutely wonderful. If people mm-hmm. want to go to your website and, and connect with you and, and tell them what they all get, you know, over there in terms of courses and stuff.
2: So braithbamkin.com and look, most of the stuff on my site is free and that's kind of who I am. There's a bucket of free stuff. There's a really cool uh, thing that I've got up there. It's a free mini course on how, and it's a good course. Everyone tells me I should charge for it, but you know, it's how to get your business referral ready today. So if you're going out for a side hustle, I would, it's a really great little course for you to get clear in your mind you're serving and why and how you communicate that to the people that you want to it doesn't even have to be referrals if you want marketing Um, material you need to understand that so it's a really cool way of getting your business ready and I've got all these quick start guides that help you if you ever want to do your own PR there's a great quick start guide on how to do your own PR because you know when you're starting out in the business you can't afford PR people so I mean I've done buckets of PR over my life so there's tons of free stuff on there and um, you know if you want to book me as a speaker I'm happy to come to America There vice, we go. Vice versa in Australia. Count- yeah. <laughs> yeah, there
0: we go. Of, can, can you go speak, yeah, yeah. You go and speak in Australia. Uh, I will just come hang out. Yeah, yeah. And That's then perfect. talk about the four things I know about Australia. And then they will just we'll be set. That's, yeah I can no I'll talk you to
2: an, an IFL guy. guy. There, yeah, we there we
0: go. Even better. There we go. Go watch that. Collingwood and St. Kilda. And
1: uh, Kilda, killed the yeah, damn, you really killed the keto. That joke. Oh, I
0: so, <laughs> know them. I've done my research exclusively on footy teams, and that's
1: it. Good. <laughs> well, this has been great, yes. And uh, thank you for joining us today. And if you want to uh, follow this podcast, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you can, can do, do that. that. We are uh, we're called Hustling Sideways. If yeah. you haven't figured that out yet, um, we are on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Snapchat. No, we're not. No. Uh, we're on TikTok. <laughs> and on, I like when Instagram. you. I always forget. I, just, I like when you yeah. take
0: over the. the uh-huh. I, try to,
1: I try to. I try to. If you want to be a guest in this show, um, we are hustlingsideways at gmail.com. You can do it virtually. You can do it right here next to me, and I'll put deodorant on that day, and it'll be great. Uh, <laughs> and follow us, uh, subscribe, give us five stars. That's a rule. That's legally you know, what you <laughs> was,
0: yeah. And um, like you said, yeah. we, can, we can either meet here or we can meet on the other side of the world. That's right. right.
1: thank you so so much and we really appreciate your time and jim thank you it's been a blast keep on hustling we'll see you next week